so appreciate. I want to share with you from the Word of God for a few moments, and, um, and then we want to just pray with people. Um, <clears throat> I want to share with you this morning a message entitled, The Winning Spirit. The Winning Spirit. And uh, to preface it, I want to just explain what I'm meaning by that is that Christ living in us, he's the winning spirit. Christ living in us is the winning spirit. Scripture says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And if God be for us, then who can stand against us? Some years ago, I heard a preacher who's uh, um, now enjoying his reward in heaven, but he, he said this, Roosevelt Hunter was his name, and he said, None of us are born winners, none of us are born losers, but all of us are born choosers. We all have a choice, we can all choose. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, Scripture says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth in witness to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Now, remember back in the school days when you used to get the multiple choice questions? And uh, the difference between that multiple choice test and this multiple choice test is that God gives us the answer. There's a multiple choice. Choose life or not. And he says, but choose life. There's the answer. Choose life so that you and your descendants might live. It's like... God is giving us the test, and he's also giving us the answer. And so we can choose it. Now, a great story, one of my favorite stories in Scripture is in 1 Samuel 17. And uh, it says there, Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. Now, that's big. That, that's really tall. Now, this giant, this person, had the audacity to come out and defy the armies of Israel. Now, him being over nine feet tall, it's like the top of his head could reach the underside of a basketball hoop. Like, this guy was huge. And he's standing there in defiance against the army of Israel. Now, we don't know why the trained and equipped soldiers of Israel wouldn't fight him. We don't know why they wouldn't fight. Maybe, well, obviously because of fear, but, but maybe it was because the scripture says, Goliath was a champion. He was a champion. So maybe that had something to do with why the soldiers didn't want to engage in battle. To be a champion, one has to have numerous victories And you have won over and over and over again. Now, I don't know if when you drive into the city of Edmonton, if it still says the city of champions when you drive in. Remember when they used to win all the time? The city of champions. I don't think the sign's there anymore. Uh, I'm sorry for them. But this guy, he could have had that, that sign on him. He was a champion. He didn't just win one battle. He won over and over and over again. He was the champion of Gath. Now, Gath was a place where these giants hung out, and they were different guys. They were just different. One of these giants had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. Now, can you imagine this guy in kindergarten? 
or early school, he's learning to count. And teacher says, okay, count your fingers and toes. Now he's got one more on each, one, each you know, limb than anybody else. And they were just different. They were just kind of out there, I guess. They were bullies. They paralyzed Israel's future through intimidation. Their strategy really was the strategy like of our enemy, the devil. It's a strategy to intimidate, to separate, and then annihilate. To bluff and get you alone by yourself and then destroy you. Now some people view Christianity from the mindset of, I don't know if I can really live this Christian life. I don't know if I can really succeed like that person, the other person. I don't know if I can really win over some of these habits, etc., and things that I'm trying to have defeated in my life. And perhaps some of you are here this morning or listening later on the internet, and you've never made a true commitment to Christ. You come to church because it's safe. You enjoy the atmosphere, it's safe. But you've never really made a true personal commitment to Jesus Christ. And you've been thinking, I really want to do it. Jesus Christ sounds like a wonderful, loving Savior. But the problem is, I'm not sure I can actually do this. Not sure if I can succeed at living a Christian life. To win. I'm not sure that I can actually be good at it. Maybe you're thinking, well, Sunday is great. You know, we sing songs to kind of get us all pepped up and, you know, encouraged and excited and and somewhat, you know, meditative on who God is and the scriptures. and, And it's great. But life gets busy the rest of the week. And when summer hits, which is... We're going to get a summer after we get spring. When summer hits, your spiritual life maybe takes a nosedive. Maybe you're not attending services as often or, or life group or, or whatever. But I want to remind you that Christ in you is more powerful than the world against you. More powerful than the world against you. And you can win through Christ, and all things are possible through him. Everything's possible. We're not the only ones who've been challenged by those questions and thoughts. The Apostle Paul writes, using athletic analogies, he talks about boxing the air, he talks about fighting the good fight, he talks about training your body, he talks about running the race that is set before him, he talks about the crown that he's going to receive, and keeping our eyes fixed on Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith. But Paul understood this challenge as well. You might be surprised as to how many people in this room are facing a Goliath right now. Facing Goliath. And we are immobilized in our spiritual progress. So we think, if we can just get revved up, just somehow this morning, if... The songs and the pastor can just kind of get us revved up. Maybe we can make it through another week. Maybe we can just make it through and next Sunday just kind of slide in again and get another shot. We've all at some time been bullied by our past. 
or bullied by a stronghold in our life. But I want to say, your present situation does not need to dictate whether or not you're going to win for the rest of your life. Doesn't need to dictate that. It is possible to lose a couple battles and still win the war. It's possible. And Paul was convinced that just because he was going through something, just because he was being tormented or persecuted, or because there might be an obvious weakness of the flesh in his life, that we don't need to allow that to overshadow the victory that Jesus Christ has brought to us through the cross. Friends, remember that God will turn things around and God will make a way where there is no way and all things will work together for our good and for his glory because we love him and we're called according to his purpose. Romans chapter 8 verse 35 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, For your sake we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. So we're not the only ones who have equated where we are to God's love and care. When everything is fine, God is close. When I appear to be losing, then I'm not so sure God loves me anymore. I'm not so sure I can stay committed. Friends, we do need to wait on the Lord, but we need, do need to persevere through these times. And scripture says to be of, be of good courage. We're not waiting on the Lord. Friends, maybe at times we find ourselves in this position, but we're not waiting on the Lord with our head bowed, head, head hanging down, dejected, depressed, solemn attitude of defeat. No. Instead, we are declaring, we believe God's going to turn things around. And he did it before, and he can do it again. He's the same God. He doesn't change. We need to understand that we're not the only ones who struggle, but do we allow the victory that Jesus Christ brought to live inside of us? How do we get the proper perspective in our minds? Israel was trapped by Goliath. The Apostle Paul felt trapped too. He said in Romans chapter 7, he said, I don't have the scripture on the screen, but he said, I'm not winning right now. Paraphrase. What I want to do, I can't seem to do what is in my heart to do. I'm always doing the things I shouldn't be doing. Have you ever been there? What I don't want to do, I do. What I should do, I don't. And he's got this struggle going on inside. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote the major part of the New Testament, was having these same struggles that we have at times, wondering, am I ever going to win? Am I going to succeed at this life called the Christian life? What I want to do, I can't seem to do. What I believe I should do, I don't seem to do it. What I've been praying to be able to do, I can't do it. Paul was so frustrated. In fact, he came to a point in his conversation where he just blurted out, who can deliver me? You ever been there? Who is ever going to help me? Who's going to deliver me? And he too was frustrated. Is there any way to win over this, he's saying. Good day, bad day syndrome. Then he says in chapter 8 of Romans, But there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. How many times have we lived under this cloud of condemnation? I can't do it. I just can't do it. 
And the enemy wants to come and intimidate you and isolate you and annihilate you. Paul says, just after he's gone through this good day, bad day thing, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Because the Spirit gives life and liberty and illumination. The Spirit gives power. The Spirit can heal. The Spirit can redeem. The Spirit can do anything. And there in Romans chapter 8 also he says, If, now get this, you've got to get this now. If that same Spirit that invaded the lifeless corpse of Jesus Christ, after three days, I can imagine this, three days, the forces of hell and those demons, you know, they're, they're kind of partying and, and they're saying, we got him now. It's been three days. We got him. But on the third day, the winning spirit, Jesus was not just, understand, he was not just soul sleeping. He was dead. Like, dead. Dead. But the winning spirit has the ability to invade death and raise him up again to life. Paul says, when at times I feel like nothing but a loser, I'm the worst Christian on earth, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation, it's as if a Goliath is right there intimidating him and paralyzing him. But he says, we need to call to our remembrance that the same spirit, say that, same spirit, that raised Christ from the dead is that winning spirit that lives in me. I got the winning spirit living in me. I can do all things through Christ. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Now, if you were all of a dark-colored skin, you'd have been jumping up and down and shouting. It's amazing when you think of it. The spirit that can lift up a corpse that was dead. Think now for a minute. I thought about this for a while, and if I could have in whatever time I had, I would have brought in a coffin. Just so we get a picture. So imagine for a moment, and I don't think I could have got a corpse, but... Maybe somebody would have liked to pretend to have been one, but just kind of use your imagination for a moment. The spirit that can lift up a corpse that was dead, can he not bring you out of defeat? If he can bring Jesus from the grave, can he not lift you out of gloom? Can he not do that? He's the winning spirit and he comes and he moves and he waits for an opportunity to invade our weakness and our confusion and lift us up where Christ is because scripture says we're now seated with Christ in heavenly places. You know the story. The army of Israel, they're paralyzed and Goliath was intimidating them until this young Jewish Hebrew boy now, the average height of a Hebrew person is, um, I don't know, five foot two or three, whatever. So David's a teenager, so he's this, I don't know if he's a scrawny kid or whatever. He's probably 
you know, worked out a little bit and got a few muscles, whatever, but just a kid until this kid shows up and looks up and here's this screaming giant and he says, what's going on here? Who's this? What's this all about? And Goliath is yelling and taunting, give me a man to fight. And David replies and says, okay, let's do it. Let's get it on. This little teenager, somehow a nine foot six giant with an armor bearer and a young teenager doesn't seem like a reasonable match. I mean, if David took a run at him, he might bruise the guy's kneecap. In chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, Goliath shows up. But I want to remind you what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 16. In chapter 16, the prophet Samuel showed up to anoint David as the next king of Israel. In chapter 16, David is anointed, get this now, with the winning spirit. Chapter 16, because in chapter 17, he's going to need to win. So in chapter 16, he's anointed by the prophet, oil poured on him, signifying the anointing of God on the next prophet. And we understand that too to be signifying the the, the anointing of the Spirit of God. And so when he comes on the scene of this Goliath, this screaming giant, he already has the winning spirit. Now friends, if you know Jesus Christ and he's forgiven you of your sin, his spirit has come to dwell inside you, you have the winning spirit. I don't know what giant you're facing. I don't know what hurdle you're looking at. I don't know what circumstance you're facing. I want to tell you and remind you, you got the winning spirit in you. And his name is Jesus Christ inhabiting you by the Holy Spirit. So when we face these things, understand we've already got the winning spirit. He's already there. And so David has no fear. Just a teenage kid. No fear. And twice David uses this phrase, and I'm sure you've read it. David says this, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, I'm not going to go into all the circumcision, uncircumcision, the whole thing there, but circumcision was a signal, it was an indication of a covenant relationship with God. So he says, here's this uncircumcised Philistine. David is saying, throughout the ages, God, as the winning spirit, has been over and in God's people, and it's been because they were in covenant with God. You can read all the stories in the Old Testament. How God led the people, how God protected the people, how God fought for the people. There was this winning spirit that hovered over them, that led them. This winning spirit that was theirs, that they had this relationship with God. And it's because they were in covenant with God, and when you are in covenant with God... You get to win. You get to win when you're in covenant with God. He says, this uncircumcised Philistine, he's not in covenant with God. He doesn't have the winning spirit. 
Why should he be intimidating us? He says, today, his voice is going to be silenced. It's over. It's over with you, bully. Now some well-meaning people approach David and say, you can't go up against a proven champion. Has anybody ever, you know, you're, you're a new Christian and you're all fired up and ready to take on the devil? And uh, maybe somebody came and said, no, just wait, 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 wait a minute now. I'm not against teaching. I'm not against classes. I'm not against all that. Teaching is good. Instruction is good. Learning is good. But sometimes I think in our maturity to some new believers, we want to almost like, it's like when you come into a relationship with people, you carry two pails. One's a pail of water and one's a pail of gas. And you have to know which one to throw on. When it's just an an ember there, you need to throw on the gas, not the water. And get that person to courage again. When they're, you know, some wildfire and they're really getting off into some stuff, maybe they need some water. But David is all excited. And so these people, they were throwing water on his, his parade. He says, who's this uncircumcised guy? He doesn't even have the winning spirit. We've got the winning spirit. We've got God with us. He's on our side. He's not on their side. So what's the problem? So they try on the armor. You know the story. And he's, no, I can't take that. I'm proving that. I can't take that. And David says, listen, I fought a lion. I fought a bear. And he's putting lions and bears in the same category as Goliath. Same category. They don't have the winning spirit. We have the winning spirit. Friends, listen. To give us a little Bible lesson. If Enoch won over death. If Noah won over the flood. If Sarah won over barrenness. If Moses won over Pharaoh, the death angel, the Red Sea, and the famine. If Joshua won over Jericho. If Barak won over Sisera. If Gideon won over Midian, if Samson won over the Philistines, if Nehemiah won over Moab, if Elijah won over Ahab and the false prophets, if Daniel won over the lion, if Jesus won over death, hell, and the grave, surely the winning spirit is with me, and I can do all things through Christ, in, through Christ who gives me the strength. Maybe... It'd be a good thing for us to do what the nation of Israel was told to do with their children. Is to remind their children of all the things that God has done. Myself included, I think sometimes we forget. You don't know how many times in my own head the thought has come... You really didn't get back 100% of your hearing. You don't know how many times I've been tempted to go into my cupboard. I really probably should take those old hearing aids and smash them with a hammer. But how many times I've been tempted? I wonder what it would sound like with them back in. At times we're all intimidated. 
And then he wants to separate us, and then he wants to destroy us. I want to tell you this. If there was somebody still up in that corner of the balcony, I'd still hear him. The same God who does miracles for other people is the same God who loves you. Same God. David looks at Goliath and says, you're coming down and the bigger they are, the harder they fall. So he grabbed five stones. Now, there's been speculation that it's true that Goliath had four brothers and so he had four extra stones in case the brothers showed up and he needed to take out the whole clan. Maybe, maybe not. But he took five stones. I don't believe he took five stones because he thought he was going to miss. He just took five stones and as some people say, he put those in his, in his bag and, and he heads towards Goliath and now he's, he's packing, right? He's ready. And I think every step he took was a confidence builder for him. He could hear Goliath yelling and screaming and the armor bearers there getting ready to do his thing. And David is beginning to advance on Goliath. And so as he gets to with whatever his range was and his whatever, and he, he puts that first smooth stone in the sling and he, you hear the, whoo, whoo, whoo. and he lets that thing go, and it's going, bang! Gets Goliath right there where there's no armor. And friends, it's like the stone that the builders rejected became the headstone. For you that know the scripture. And Goliath falls down, and David runs up and jumps on him and, and cuts off his head. So he must have grabbed, he didn't have, maybe grabs Goliath's sword and whew, picks up a head and shows the Philistines their champion. Now, he's standing on top of Goliath. And if he was Irish, probably going, yeah. Now, if he was a charismatic, say he was a black charismatic, be like. <laughs> Pentecostal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what he did on there. What kind of a dancer jig or victory march. But what a day it was for all of Israel that God had turned a visible weakness into a strategic strength. Friends, that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what he's doing you. That's what he's doing me. And maybe things have not gone well with you. But wouldn't it be great if we just opened our hearts and said, God, I want your spirit living in me. 
And that first step is really recognizing and acknowledging the fact that we're all born in sin and shaped in iniquity and, and we need a Savior. And we need to ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sin and repent of that sin, which means turn, turn away from turn go the opposite direction. Don't go on that path anymore. And when Christ forgives, his spirit comes and lives inside of us. Because the Bible says now our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so he comes and resides in us, and he's the winning spirit. He's won over death, hell, the grave. He went and took the keys from the enemy. And now he's at the right hand of the Father praying for you and for me. I can identify with the Apostle Paul over time. I want to do something. I don't. I do the things I don't want to do, and I keep trying, but sometimes can't seem to get it when I want to. And God wants to take all of us out of Romans chapter 7, out of that struggle in Romans chapter 7 where we want to do it, we can't do it, what we should do, we don't do. And he wants to take us into Romans chapter 8, and he wants to lift off that condemnation that's on you. That was a battle, but you will win the war. And he wants us to let the same spirit that was on Joshua, etc., all those ones we mentioned, that same spirit is here this morning in you, if you know Jesus Christ. That same winning spirit. And so we say to the enemy who's taunting us and trying to intimidate us and trying to separate us and trying to annihilate us, say, listen, you don't got the winning spirit on your side. I got the winning spirit on my side. And he proved it at the cross. And he came out of the grave on the third day. The enemy doesn't have the winning spirit. Friends, we who know Jesus Christ, we have the winning spirit. And the Holy Spirit is in us to teach us, show us Jesus, prepare us for that day, to equip us, empower us, to work through us, to use us for the purposes of God, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to heal us. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in and through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to his disciples he had to go in order for another one to come just like him, the Holy Spirit, to empower the church. Friends, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have the winning spirit. I don't know what it is you're facing. I don't know what the Goliath is ahead of you, in front of you, intimidating you, screaming at you, shouting at you, showing you your past, trying to lay condemnation on you, trying to separate you from your fellow believers in whatever way, in your own mind or your thinking or physically. Because he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I want to remind us today that regardless of what he says on the other side, because he doesn't have the winning spirit, we have it. We may not win every battle, but we win the war. We win the war. And you've all read the last chapter. We know where we're going, amen? And we know we win the war. And sometimes in the journey... Life gets a little complicated, a little discouraging at times. 
And I just want to remind us today, the winning spirit, the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus, the love of the Father, all wrapped up in, is inside of you. He's on your side. Whatever your need is today, I, I want us to pray for and with you. It doesn't matter what it is. Because there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Nothing. I mean, I, I rejoice with my brother Charlie, who been having treatments for leukemia. Goes for some more next week. And yet if you talk to this guy, Charlie, he's just pumped about his purpose in Christ in this life. In fact, he's going to be sharing with us on Tuesday at our men's life group. And uh, that guy is a, he's a, he's a ticking time bomb for the enemy. He's a winner because he has the spirit of Christ in him. And he's winning in the midst of all the treatments he's taking because of who's inside of him. Kathy, you've got a winning spirit in you. Right? You're going to win. You're going to win. Price, you've got a winning spirit in you. Even sometimes when the enemy comes and he tries to give you all kinds of mixed messages, you tell him, I'm on the winning side. Take a hike. You know, it's like the little boy. I told you the story, mate. It's a little boy who just gave his heart to Jesus, and he came home. He was so excited and pumped, and he's sitting on the couch, and he's reading his Bible, and you know how it works. The enemy comes, and he's whispering in your ear and telling the little boy, that was just emotional. They just got just psyched up. Nothing really happened. And the little guy didn't know what to do. He grabbed his Bible, and he threw it under the couch. He said, here, devil, you read it for yourself. We got the winning spirit. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter. So I wonder if maybe musicians can come. I have no idea what you're going to play, but I do love that old hymn we sang this morning. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. He is great. And he's great here this morning to meet you as you're facing whatever that Goliath is. And as they lead us in song, whether it's that song or you choose another one, it's fine. But as they're singing, if you'd like us to pray with you, I'd like you to come and come here to the front. We want to pray with you. And I know that... um, God wants to do something great this morning and I felt it for a long time this week. I don't have any preconceived idea what that looks like. I just know we serve a great big God. 
We serve a big God. And I promised our sister that we would pray for her husband this morning. And and first name was? Dawn. Dawn. Now, I don't, want, I don't want to embarrass you, Dawn, at all, but do you want us to pray for you here, or can you make it to that chair? I prefer here. You prefer here? That's good. It works for me, too. Charlie, I need you to come over here. This man is, he was diagnosed some time ago with leukemia. And uh, you wouldn't know it, the way he is and acts and lives and I'm sure he's got some days when maybe he doesn't feel as strong as he... Now, I don't know what kind of cancer the doctors have said they thought you had, but I just want you to know, Don, that you know Jesus, right? Yes, I do. So inside of you is the winning spirit. Amen. And I'm going to believe and pray today that this is the day the devil gets his knockout punch out of your life. Is that okay? Because we believe in healing and you believe in healing you wouldn't be here this morning. And so we're going to pray for, for Dawn. And now others of you who maybe right now you're sensing that God is igniting faith in your life. And, and you need to come and gather around Dawn and just link like-mindedness and faith, believe in God. And so I tell anybody who you just sense that this is some place where you can believe God with Dawn. You don't know Dawn, but he's your brother. He's your brother. And what would you want to do for your brother? He's your brother. So Wes is going to lead us in some singing and whatever, and then you come. We're going to, we're going to pray for Don while they're just worshiping, and then in a moment we're going to ask others to come to the front, and we want to pray with you and believe God, whatever that giant is, wherever that Goliath is. And so Wes, just lead us in some songs. I'm going to turn my microphone off, and then we're just going to pray with Don and, and his wife Ivy, and we're going to believe that this is a day. Amen. This is the day the Lord's made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And believe in God for a miracle in our brother's life. Because our God is more than enough.